So, uh, in my ever-elusive quest to lose weight, I've been trying to eat better, and I've been, I've been walking a lot, and I've discovered that I have a condition called plantar fasciitis or something, or fascist, I don't know, it, it feels that way, <laughs> like something has is, is invaded my foot, you know, and... Uh, uh, but so I have had to get special things. I, I've decided, you know, if I can walk through this, then when winter comes, I'll be able to walk through the cold. Does that make sense, right? So I've just been like, okay, I'm going to walk the, a mile and a half last night just in, in pain like this the whole way, you know. I'm just going for it, though. But I, you know, and I'm stretching and I'm doing everything I've been told to do, you know. And, uh, uh, but but I, I've been thinking about walking, and uh, I don't know if any of you noticed, the title of the sermon today is called The Walk. So I want to talk to you about The Walk. I think there are some amazing walks, some memory, very memorable walks uh, that we can think about. You know, I, uh, Neil Armstrong on July 21, 1969, spoke those very famous words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Remember that? Yeah, that was a memorable walk. One of the few that got to walk on the moon. I understand you're weightless there, so maybe plantar fasciitis doesn't bother you there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should take my exercises on the moon. I don't know. In 1963, there was a very, very, very famous walk. It's called the March on Washington. 250,000 people, a quarter of a million people, participated in a walk down Constitution and Independence Avenue. They were gathered before the Lincoln Memorial, the, the Lincoln Monument, so they could hear a speech. It was the speech that Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., had that, that was called, I Have a Dream. Remember that? Uh, no, I've met people that have actually been on, on that walk. For some of them, it was a very long walk. I'm sure... All of you have some memorable walks. I, uh, I remember some of my walks that were very, very memorable. I remember wa walking, pacing back and forth on the deck of the ship as we had entered the port of New York, and I saw my father there on the other side. And I remember pacing back and forth because I couldn't wait to get off that ship so that I could walk to him and embrace him. I remember, you know, this, this year, this, um, this October, October 10, my wife and I will be celebrating 30 years of marriage. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty weak applause for what we had to do to get there. But <laughs> so, now, now, it's been 30 years, so the story is a little cloudy in Nancy's mind, but it is not in mine. I was in, uh, living in Florida at the time, and she came to visit me, and I had decided I was going, that she, here she comes, so now I have to be careful. I, have, I decided that I was going to propose to her. So uh, we got together, and, and, and uh, I, I was just really thrilled that she would come and visit me all the way to Florida from Maryland, and uh, we took this walk. And as we took this walk, we began to kick 
a piece of wood, this piece of wood, 30 years ago. And we were kicking it and kicking it and kicking it. And you would think as an Italian I would be more romantic than this. But I remember saying, and, and I think Nancy has a clouded memory about this because she will, she's in denial about the fact that it actually took me about six or seven times to propose before she finally said yes. It was always like, well, let me think about that. That's, wow, that's, I'm not ready for that, you know? That, that kind of a thing, right? I didn't even get seriously. I didn't even get that. I just got, well, let's think, you know? And, but we kept kicking this thing, and I picked it up, and I said, I got on my knees, I said, will you marry me? And she said, really? You know? And she said, uh, well, let me think about it, right? And, and I, I kept it. And uh, one day we got married. How cool is that, right? And uh, it worked. Just guys, if you ever want to, you know, think of a cheap way to do it, this is a good way. Uh, so, so here's the thing. Uh, it wasn't long before we got into a really big fight. And I remember having to go to her. And I had kept this, and I, and, and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I said, will you forgive me? This is my peace offering. And she it just made her laugh, you know, and so she did. And then a few months later, we got into another fight. This time it was her fault. So she gave me the piece of wood. And we've been giving it back and forth for years. I've kept it for a long time, this piece of wood from Florida. But I remember that walk. And it was a walk I will never, ever forget. I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, next week when we have our mosaic, there's a couple that's getting married. Fernando and Yorelli back there. I know some of you think, yeah. Some of you think, aren't they married already? No, they just love each other already, but they're not married yet. And uh, they've been waiting for this. And, and, and some of you might have seen it on Facebook. He uh, proposed in Las Vegas, right? And uh, so, so she said, seriously? That's what she said. And uh, he took that as a yes. And uh, so they're getting married, and we've been talking about it. We've been talking about, okay, what are, so one of the things about them, uh, I love this. Yorelli says, you know, look, Pastor, we don't do cheesy, okay? So no cheesy stuff. I said, okay, no problem. So I'm going to keep this really simple. We just want to do it right at the end of Mosaic. She goes, but there is one thing that I definitely want from my dad. I want my dad to walk me down the aisle. Dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? There is something about many, many dads wait for that day. They can walk their daughter down the aisle. There's something about that walk. All of us have memorable walks. Perhaps you're thinking of your own. You'll often, especially if I haven't seen you for a while, hear me go up to you and go, so how's your walk with the Lord? And I'm always amazed that people answer that question. When I ask them, how is your walk with the Lord? I always get one of these like, oh, well, you know, I haven't really been to church much. Or I didn't ask you if you went to church. I said, how is your walk with the Lord? Oh, oh, yeah, I haven't really studied my Bible as much as I should. No, no, I didn't ask you if you're studying. I'm asking you something very simple here. How is your walk with the Lord? Are you connected with God? Are you, are you walking with him? Do you think about him? Is he your best friend? I mean, that's what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you for going to church if, if, if you're studying your Bible, if you're singing hymns. You know, that's great. That's fine. Maybe that can enhance your walk. But that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, how is your walk with the Lord? 
And I'm asking you that. How is your walk with the Lord? And don't you please, please do not minimize it to some activity like going to church or, or reading your Bible. Don't do that. Your walk with the Lord could be so much more. Your walk with the Lord could be so much more fulfilling, so much more awesome, so much more impacting your walk with the Lord. You know, the Bible is a memoir of unforgettable walks. I love the way Jesus always helped the lame to walk. Remember Peter's house, his friends take him down through the hole of the house, and, and he's a paralytic man, and, and Jesus forgives him, and then he says, take up your bed and what? Walk. A little later, Peter, I guess, had gotten the cue from Jesus. Now Jesus is, has resurrected, and he's gone, and Peter now is taking up the mantle with other disciples, and he's walking by, and he sees this man who is who is just begging, who is paralyzed and he's begging. And Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. Take up your bed and what? Walk. Over and over we have this, this concept. But we are not only called to walk for God. The Bible tells us that we are called to walk with God. The very first record of that, that of, of, of walking was actually in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, it, this is immediately following the fall. Like, this is important. This will be really important a little later in the sermon. But immediately following the fall. Immediately following the fall. The moment the, the, the news reached heaven, that Adam and Eve fell, the, that moment, God comes down and it says that the man and his wife had heard the sound of the Lord. What was he doing? He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid him from the Lord, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them, to them where are you? The very first thing God does when man falls is he goes and he looks for them so that he can pick them up. He is walking to them. Now God could just appear. God could just fly. But he decides to walk to them. He wants to walk with them. From that day forward, God invited people to walk with him. In fact, we are told in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. I have noticed that, haven't you? People that are far away from God suddenly have children, and they have this need to be close to God. Have you noticed that? They start walking with God. Well, Enoch walked with God so much. He walked with God so intensely. His walk with God was so authentic that the Bible tells us that he walked all the way until he disappeared. It was like, it's like suddenly his walk just took him to another dimension, to another part of the universe. He walked into heaven. We never know what happened to Enoch. He just 
disappeared. Can you imagine having that kind of a walk with God where God says, you know what, I love walking with you so much, I'm just going just, to, you're going to have to come with me and walk with me in heaven too. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, wouldn't that be really the awesome way to walk with God? How's your walk? How's your walk with the Lord? I think of walking with God as walking with a compass. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19, and this is from the Message Bible, so I don't know if that's going to be the same way. It's not, but let me read it to you from the Message as you see it there from the NIV. It says, The ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. But the, wrong, the road of, the, of wrongdoers gets darker and darker. Travelers can't see a thing. They fall flat on their faces. So walking away from God becomes treacherous, doesn't it? The, the farther you walk away from the light, the darker it gets, and the more you stumble, and we don't even realize this. I love this concept of God being our compass. I read this, uh, this article it, and, and, and start off with these words. It says, if you're lost in the woods and you feel like you're walking in circles, you probably are. A scientist, psychologist by the name of Suman wasn't sure if that common sensation was actually true, this article says. But when lost, he suspected people might veer to the left or right, but he didn't expect them to actually walk in true circles. Suman's project started with a German popular science television show approached his group with a, with a viewer question. Why do people walk in circles when they're lost? Have you ever been lost? Have you ever walked in a circle? You might not have realized it, but you have. Listen to what he says. To find out, he instructed nine people to walk as straight as possible in one direction for several hours. Six walkers forged through a flat, forested region of Germany. Three trekked through the Sahara Desert in southern Tunisia. Of course, a sandstorm stopped further testing in the desert, so forgot that part. But all workers, walkers, excuse me, wore GPS receivers so that the researchers could analyze their routes. Not to use them, but just so that they could be analyzed. The results published in the Journal of Current Biology show that no matter how hard, check this out, no matter how hard people try to walk in a straight line, they often ended up going in circles without ever realizing that they were crossing their own paths. Without landmarks to guide us, people really do go around and around, the article says. The finding emphasizes the importance of being prepared if you're going to set off into the wilderness or even into a maze of city streets. And then he says, just walking in a straight line seems like such a simple and natural thing to do. But if you think about it, it's quite complicated. It's, a, it's, it's quite a complicated thing going on in your brain. And then he says these words. After these experiments, I will never go into a big forest or desert without a compass anymore. Something to think about. But God is our compass when we're walking in this universe. If you don't have God, let me just tell you something right now. You're walking around in circles and circles and circles. I hear this all the time. I don't know why this is happening to me again. 
I'm falling into this trap one more time. Why is this happening to me over and over and over again? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you don't have your compass. And you don't want to walk around in circles anymore. If you want to stop having the same problems and the same challenges overall, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your compass? How's your walk with the Lord? So I'm going to talk to you about some things that walking with God can do for us. Are we ready? How are we doing? Good. Number one, walking with God develops our faith. Walking with God allows us to develop what I call the sixth sense. Not sick, sixth sense. The sense that, that I believe we have lost we can touch, we can feel, most of us can see, most of us can hear, and we can taste. But there was this one sense that we have lost sight of when we fell in the garden, and that is faith. When we walk with God, it develops that faith. It enlarges our spiritual zone, our comfort zone. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says these great words about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And though he did not know where he was going, he did go. He kept on walking. Can you imagine walking where God tells you to go, even though you don't know exactly where to go, but the compass says north. You can't see it. You don't know it, but you're listening to God. You're walking with him. The more you walk with him, the easier it gets. Your faith gets enlarged. The Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we've got to get to a point where we say, you know what? If I was blind, because of my connection with God, I can still go straight where he needs me to go. There's a, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you go. If you turn to the right or to the left, this is the way you should go. In other words, you can hear God. You can experience God as you walk with him, as you intentionally say, this is God. God, what I do today is going to be with you. Abraham's faith walk led him on that difficult walk that he took with his son Isaac up that mountain because he knew that God had a plan on that road to Moriah. He knew that God knew what he was doing. Genesis 3, 6 through 7 admonishes us, consider Abraham. He believed, uh, excuse me, Galatians 3, 6 and 7. It says, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was accredited to him as his righteousness. And Romans 4, 12 tells us that walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had. In other words, we need to be able to have the same kind of fake walk, uh, faith walk that Abraham did. To be able to go not knowing. To be able to trust God. When you walk with God, you learn to trust him. It's not easy, is it? So number one, walking with God develops our faith. Number two, walking with God is liberating. Do you believe that? I'm taking you to Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Exodus, rather, chapter 14. And I probably gave you the wrong one, JB, sorry about that. But I'm just going to read to you from the Bible, is that Okay. If he gets to it, that's great. He's pretty good back there. Exodus 14, beginning with verse 10, and you'll recognize the story pretty well. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. 
they had gotten to a point where they couldn't go any farther because there was a sea ahead of them. And then all of a sudden they realized the Egyptians were coming behind them. They were terrified and cried out of, to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Those Israelites, by the way, they were great at complaining, weren't they? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? They would rather have served the Egyptians than to even die in freedom. See, I don't know about you, but I'd rather die in freedom than to serve Lucifer. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert, they say. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. I told you he was good. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you need only to be what? Still. God's out asking them to do what? Be still. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything I tell you, I tell you to. Be still, my soul, as we sang just a few minutes ago. Just be still. Just wait. Sometimes we walk ahead of God. Have you ever found yourself walking ahead of God? You're thinking you're walking with God, and then all of a sudden it's like, God, where are you? What happened? I saw a cartoon based on that famous poem about the footsteps of Christ. How many of you have read that poem, right? And it said something to the effect like, uh, God, uh, uh, you know, at the end, the, the guy asks, you know, where were you when I was going through all that trouble? And God says, uh, do, do you see the two sets of footsteps? That other set was mine. I was walking with you the whole time. Remember that? And then the next part said, and do you see that part where you, like this big shriek across the desert? That was when I dragged you. <laughs> I like that. It's like second part, part two to that. I don't know about you, but I've been dragged by God sometimes. Come on, let's go. Because I've given him permission to drag me. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites now to move on. Tell them to walk. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And suddenly the sea parted, and now they're having this amazing time to walk. Can you imagine being on that walk? A little ominous, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, when are these going to come down on us, right? And in verse 22, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into a dry land, and the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. See, walking with God can be extremely liberating. It was only when I began to walk with God that I began to realize that I, what I thought was freedom was actually bondage. It was only when I began to trust God and walk with Him that I began to realize that God truly is freedom. The Bible says 
When I will make you free, I will make you free indeed. Free indeed suggests something, that there are two types of freedom. There is just freedom, which is often kind of like this unbridled adolescent concept of freedom. Hey, I'm free. I'm going to do anything I want. And then there is free indeed. Free indeed is what God gives us. It's freedom that is lasting, freedom that is meaningful, freedom that is fulfilling, freedom that is absolutely amazing. I remember another memorable, memorable walk in my life. I was 16 years old and I did something really, really stupid. So stupid that I just don't want to talk about it now. But I was, I was arrested for how stupid this was. And I was really kind of scared to death. Not so much of the police. I was scared to death of my father. My very macho Italian father. But he wasn't home when I was arrested, taken outside by these police officers, handcuffed in front of my neighbors as they were putting me in their police cars and taking me to the police station and interrogating me. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, uh, I'm just lying through my teeth. No, I wasn't there. That wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going and going and going about it. And all of a sudden, of course, I didn't know that the friends that I had done this terrible thing with had been arrested, and they had already told everything. And my father walks in into that police station with a man dressed really well. I didn't know who he was, but he was dressed really nice. And my father looks at me, and in broken English, he says, no, say nothing, no more. And then he tells it to me in Italian, capisci, non dire niente. Later I found out that that man was a lawyer and my dad had spent every last penny of his uh, savings to get him. And although my two friends spent a night in jail, I never did, not one. And I got off on some stupid misdemeanor charge. But I remember walking out of that police station with my father thinking, uh-oh, here it comes. My dad put his arm on my shoulder and with tears in his eyes, he said, it's okay, Sergio. We'll get through this. Mama, on the other hand, is going to be a little hard. <laughs> but please know, we all make mistakes. I love you. We'll get through this. I will never forget that walk. It motivated me to live a life that was worthy of my dad. And it wasn't a few years later when I accepted Christ as my Savior that I began to realize that the goodness of the Lord leads a man to repentance. That he is constantly motivating me to walk with him, to, to move towards what I should be doing in his way. Not because, not, not because he's trying to like punish me or, or he's some, some kind of police officer in the universe that's looking for things that we're doing wrong, but because he loves us. He wants to walk with us because he loves us. Does that make sense? Number three, walking with God, as we learned last week, crumbles walls, doesn't it? It crumbles walls. Remember, remember the story of, of Joshua and Jericho? 
They were told to walk around seven times. And then if you want to walk with a trumpet in your hand, that's cool too. That's up to you. They were walking and, then, and they, they blew their trumpets and, and it says that the walls of Jericho fell. Have you ever had, do you have walls in your life? Do you have financial walls? Are there relational barriers in your life? Is there some kind of spiritual battle that you're going through? Some spiritual walls that you have to climb? Some things that, some personal limitations that you think you have? Let me tell you something. You walk with God the way he tells you to walk with God. Even in circles, if he tells you to. Around Jericho, whatever that wall is in your life, you walk with God. And trust me on this that wall will come crumbling down. There is no wall, no fortress that is too hard for God to get through. And I can only tell you this because I've seen it in my life over and over and over again. Every time I, I, I see, wow, this wall is getting way too big. What's going on? I check my compass. And I say, God, what, what do I do? How do I do this? And he teaches me to walk in such a way that helps me walk with him, and together we crumble that wall. I love that about God. So walking with God develops our faith. Walking with God is liberating. Walking with God crumbles walls. Walking with God is illuminating can I just tell you something? I graduated from high school by the skin of my teeth. I didn't care about school. I didn't like school. I think they graduated me because I got an A in Italian. That was it. I said, get him out of here. I, didn't, I was not a, a very bright kid, per se, school-wise, you know. But as I fell in love with Jesus something began to happen to me. As I began to read the Bible, as I began to, to absorb this, this wonderful message, these wonderful truths that we hold so dearly, they began to do something to my brain. And I don't say this in any way to boast. Please don't misunderstand me. I graduated from Mercy College with a 3.8 average, then went to Atlantic Union College, graduated with distinction. Now, I look back and they, like, that was not me. Thank you, Jesus, for whoever you sent. But that was, I mean, I don't know how that happened except for to say that walking with God illuminates. Remember the great walk to Emmaus? Those disciples that were walking with him after he had, after he had been resurrected and they didn't even recognize him. And he began to walk with them. He said, what are you guys talking about? And they started talking. And all of a sudden the Bible says that as they're talking, he begins to have a Bible study with them with those guys, and all of a sudden, they just are totally illuminated with this amazing truth. They can't believe it. And, and then he disappears, and then they say these words, then not our hearts burn within us, as he opened up the, the word to us. I mean, the light was so bright that they were actually feeling bright inside. It was warm inside. That's how bright the light was. How cool is that? I mean, I don't know about you. Thank you for the two people that said amen. I don't know about you, but I got to tell you something, man. That just blows my mind. That our walk can do that. That walk with God can do that. Nancy prays every day that God makes me smarter than I am. And to be honest with you, it is true. If there's only one reason why I can say anything or speak anything or teach anything, it's because God somehow, because of Nancy's prayers, I believe, makes me smarter than I am. He illuminates us. 
See that? This did a lot more than you realize, right? And finally, walking with God develops in us the sacrificial spirit. As we watch Jesus walking on the Via Dolorosa, that last walk, and then at some point, Simeon has to pick up the cross. Someone totally uninvolved. And Jesus is walking with him to Golgotha. I think that's what Jesus meant when he says, you know, if you're not willing to take up the cross and follow me. It wasn't about, you know, we say things like, this is the cross I bear, my husband. You know, no, that's, that's not it. My children are the cross I bear. I mean, I hear people say that to me, like, you know, you have no idea. That's a blessing. As bad as it can be, that's a blessing. Let me tell you something. A sacrificial spirit is the kind of spirit that says, you know what, God, whatever you tell me to do, whatever it is, whatever you want, God, I will do that for you. I will serve you always. I will walk with you always, no matter what. No matter how many times I fall, how many, many, many times I stumble, I will walk with you. First John chapter 2, 5 and 6 says that if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him, it says. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And another version says, must walk as Jesus walked. Today we say, do you walk your talk? What does that mean? Have you ever met somebody that you thought was one way, they talked one way, and they turned out to be something else altogether? And you begin to realize they were not walking their talk. I was trying to make this point with somebody a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, what if you saw me walking into a bar? This is your pastor, you know? And they were smart enough to say, well, it's not so much seeing you walking into the bar. Now, you could go in there for a good reason. But if I saw you stumbling out of the bar, that made sense to me, right? That was pretty cool. So, let me put these up again. Go ahead and put that slide up. Just in case you want to write these down and you want to take a picture of it. Here's the five things. Walk with God develops our faith. Walking with God is liberating. It's coming up, I promise. Walking with, is it up? Oh, I'm seeing something different, sorry. Walking with God crumbles walls. Walking with God is illuminating. Walking with God develops a sacrificial spirit. Do you believe that? Now, perhaps the most amazing walk of all in the Bible was when Peter walked on water. And next week, I'm going to do part two of this series called Water Walkers. It will teach us how to walk with God even on water. How cool would that be, right? It's only when we walk with God that we will be able to experience God's power in our lives to actually do something that we would not be capable of doing on our own. In Psalm 86, verse 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to your, 
to fear your name. And so I'm going to keep on walking, even through my planter fascist thing that I have. I'm going to keep walking and walking, because I'm going to keep losing weight. You keep praying for me, amen? And then it's going to get less and less painful. Next week I get the I have to do a seminar in uh, Oregon, and I get to be in Portland one day with my daughter. And it happens to be on Thursday, which those of you that were at the men's ministry thing, you know Thursday was like our date day. And my daughter said, are we going on a date? I was like, absolutely. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to walk together. How cool is that? I remember. See, I remember her first steps. I remember one day I was just doing something, and Nancy goes, hey, Serge, look, look. And I turned over, and there she, she let go of the table. And she began to just kind of like be like, and then boom, she fell. And you know what we did? Good job. Brianna, that was awesome. I can't believe it. Good for you. And then a little bit later, she, she like wobbled again, and then and it was like one of these things, you know, and I don't know why the bottom is a little heavier or something. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe they're getting used to the head. I don't know what's going on in those moments, you know. But the boom, she falls again. And she's about ready to cry. I'm like, great job. Wow. That was like three seconds more than last time, you know. And then, and then the next time she can let go. And now she's like, you know, like totally like excited about walking. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. You're good, you know. And then, boom, she fell, and we just picked her up again. There was never a time that we were like, you know, that's three times now. Get out of here. You're not worth anything. But yet we think that's what God does with us. See, even now, she's going to be 29 years old in November. Even now, if, she, if we were walking and she would fall, I'd pick her up. There is never going to be a time when she falls and I will not pick her up. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to keep walking with her. Keep walking as God keeps walking with us. Walk with God. God's going to, God's going to, it's okay if you fall. God's going to pick you up. I love this quote. Jude 24, we'll finish with this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from what? Falling. Not only will he pick you up, he's also interested in helping you to learn how to walk the right way and run. And one day even fly to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, from falling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's what he's waiting for. God, Jesus is waiting to present us. This is the guy, this is the Sergio with plantar fascist on him. This is the guy that couldn't walk. This is the, look at him now, God, he flies. Why? Because every time he fell, I picked him up. And I encouraged him to keep going. The only wise God, Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.